Well, good evening. And I thank you for the opportunity that it is to come and open the scriptures with you tonight to preach God's word. And you'll notice from your bulletin that we'll be looking at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 will be beginning in verse 21. And just to bring your attention, what what Mark has been doing in the, the gospel of Mark so far is he has been showing us the amazing power and glory of Jesus Christ and his wonderful ability to save. Mark shows us Jesus calming the storm and his disciples ask, who is this man? Then we see Jesus has authority and power over a man who is possessed by a legion of demons. And then, tonight, we'll be looking at Jesus' absolute power over all illness and all death. So please give your attention here to God's word, beginning in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again over by boat to the other side of the lake, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. 
After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. That's where we'll end our reading of this section of God's Word for tonight. So as we come to this point in the Scriptures, why do we need to hear this? Why is this for us tonight? And what we, I hope that we see is that this is a passage which shows us as people, it shows us our desperate need for Jesus Christ, but it also shows us his all-sufficiency. We see that Jesus is willing and Jesus is able to save. This passage is a wonderful example of saving faith in Jesus Christ. And it is only this kind of faith in our great Savior which can sustain us in this life. Because Jesus promised us, right, that in this life you will have trouble. But I hope you can see from this passage what Jesus also says, take heart because I have overcome the world. This kind of faith that we must have is a faith that the world calls foolish. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, we read and we hear that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So what we'll be doing is we'll be taking this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25, and we'll be applying it to three people in the text. And you'll see that on the back of your bulletin for tonight. The first place... The first person that we'll look at is the unclean woman. And then the second person we'll look at is with Jairus and his daughter. And the third person we'll look at is with Jesus. So first, I want to draw your attention to the unclean woman and to what is going on here in this passage. This woman doesn't even have a name. And she is being compared to Jairus. Jairus is a very public man. He is the synagogue ruler. He's known by everyone in the town. People have been hearing about these other miracles that Jesus has been doing, and they meet Jesus when he arrives by boat. And this crowd has a great expectation for what is going to happen as Jairus, this public man, comes and falls before Jesus and has a very public emergency. Sir, My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will live. And if we put this in a modern context, it's as if the whole crowd with this, this is what people have been asking Jesus for, for his whole ministry. Sir, we want to see a miracle. And now the question is, will this man be able to perform this miracle? So as we can think of it in this modern context of an ambulance driving off with this large crowd following. The main question in the front of our minds being, is Jesus able to save? 
This is a desperate emergency. But remember that we're starting with the woman and not with Jairus. And Jesus brings this emergency procession to a screeching halt with the question, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? See, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. But think of how his disciples see this when Jesus says, who touched my clothes? Everybody in the crowd is pressing around you. This little girl is dying. This is almost turned into some kind of sick comedy. And Jesus says, no. And he kept searching and says, who touched my clothes? And now there's a non-emergency. It's a very, very private sickness that's going on. It's an embarrassing sickness where this woman is made unclean. She is unknown by this crowd, by the very nature of her illness. And she finally comes forward and says, well, sir, I touched your clothes. And it gets more strange when Jesus says, well, then tell us. Tell us your story. Why did you come along and touch my clothes? And think of Jairus standing on the side going, but what about my daughter? But listen to the woman's story. Sir, this is not an emergency. This has been going on for 12 long years. In fact, it's as long as this little girl has been alive. But no one has been able to help me. I have suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. I have spent all I had, and no one has been able to help me. But I knew when I heard about you, I believed that if I just touched your clothes, I would be healed. And I was. Behold the power of Jesus. What no one could do in 12 years with all of their expertise, Jesus did by accident when somebody came behind him and touched him. Behold the power of Jesus. We have to ask the question, why did Jesus stop? Why did Jesus call this woman out? Well, it's because faith, faith comes by hearing. See, the crowd has come to find out whether or not Jesus can save. And now they hear that Jesus can save. This great crowd surrounding Jesus needed to hear about Jesus' power to save. And we know that from the New Testament, don't we? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So as amazing as the healing of this woman was, there was a miracle that occurred here that was so much more astonishing than just her physical healing. See, Jesus put the brakes on Jairus' emergency so that this crowd could witness the astonishing miracle of faith in this woman. So do you think that the crowd was satisfied? Is this what they came to see? This isn't what they came to see. And I just ask, would you be satisfied if you were in this great crowd? It's a miracle that you heard, but by the very nature of her illness, it's a miracle that no one saw. 
See, the crowd has followed Jesus, hoping to see a little dying girl saved. But instead, what they witnessed was they witnessed a daughter born by faith. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus directly calls anyone a daughter. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Do you think that that crowd was rejoicing? But do you know that at that moment, the angels in heaven were rejoicing? The angels in heaven were rejoicing. We read in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, I tell you, Jesus said, that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You see, there has been the birth of a new daughter. Or rather, there has been the new birth of a daughter. This is a wonderful miracle. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing over this miracle of faith. But that's not all. See, Jesus is even greater than this. There's another reason I want you to think of that Jesus put the brakes on Jairus's dire emergency. There's another reason why poor Jairus is standing and waiting and grieving in silence. And that's because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. It's so that you and I could witness this astonishing miracle of faith. You and I, some 2,000 years later, in this great crowd, have come to hear about Jesus. You might hear about Jesus' power to save, and it's so that you might put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, who is able to save completely. How many people, generation after generation, for the last 2,000 years, have heard of this poor, terrified, unclean, outcast woman who reached out her hand with a sneaking, suspicious, maybe, hand of faith, her weak faith, and her private faith, but because of her testimony, they also put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them. This is the opportunity that you have as this crowd tonight to see the amazing power of Jesus to save and to reach out with that hand of faith and to put your faith and trust in Jesus to save you. See, if you are a child of God, if you have already done this and you have faith in Jesus, are you rejoicing with the angels in heaven over the birth of this woman? your older sister? And are you rejoicing over your own new birth through maybe what is your tiny mustard seed-sized faith in the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ? He is the only one who is able to save. See, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, a daughter is born, and a daughter dies. 
We see in verse 35 that even as Jesus was speaking these very words, that while Jairus was waiting, he receives the news, your daughter is dead. And this is the second place where we'll look at Jesus. We'll be looking at the weakness of God being stronger than man's strength. And that's with the faith of Jairus. They say to Jairus, why bother the teacher any longer? And this may have the sense of why bother with the teacher any longer. He obviously can't tell the difference between an emergency and something that could have waited. It's already waited for 12 years. And we have seen this teacher. And whether or not he is able to save, his priorities seem to be laughable. But then Jesus speaks again. Do not doubt. Only believe. Is this easy for Jairus? Jairus must also be thinking, if you had only dealt with my emergency and then come back. It looks as if Jesus has no common sense, but Jesus then says to Jairus, trust me. And the crowd, this large crowd with this great emergency, and maybe out of respect for Jairus and for his grief, but they're certain that they're not going to see the miracle that they came for, the crowd begins to leave. The text tells us in verse 37 that Jesus did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. So including Jesus and Jairus, that brings this huge crowd down to five people. And that ambulance of emergency has now really become a hearse in a funeral procession. That great expectation of the passage has completely changed. And this looks like a complete failure. And then, as they come to the house, Jesus speaks again in verse 39. And sometimes you wonder if his disciples wished that he just wouldn't talk. Jesus says in verse 39, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And can you imagine someone coming, maybe an stranger coming, and saying that at the deathbed of a child? And they laughed at him. You see, this is not the laughter that this is a silly joke. It's the laughter of scorn and mockery. Who would come and say such a thing? But Jesus puts the mourners out of the house. So the only ones left are the three disciples, the grieving mother and father, the dead girl, and Jesus. And then Jesus speaks again. Little girl, it's time to get up. And she got up. Immediately, the text tells us she got up and she walked around, and they were completely astonished. See, what Jesus has said looks like foolishness and and even madness. Do you wonder why people often accuse Jesus of being mad? But Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So why did Jairus have to wait? Well, in part, it's for the same reason that he was waiting before. It's so that generations, generations of people, you and me, that we could put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his power to save even from the grave. It's so that you and I, as we lay our loved ones down in death, so that even as you, as you close your own eyes in death, it's so that you might know 
that you can trust Jesus. See, Jesus promised that he will come at the time of the resurrection. What a wonderful providence that we read from John chapter 11 tonight. And Jesus has promised that he will come at the time of the resurrection and say the same thing that he said to this little girl. It's time to get up and all will rise from their graves. Do not doubt, only believe. So we see that two daughters have been saved. And neither one has been saved according to the court of popular opinion. They haven't been saved according to what the disciples thought should have happened. But both daughters have been saved according to the perfect plan of God, according to the perfect timing of God. And that is not our timing. So there must have been some sense in the mind's of the disciples after what seems like a crippling PR defeat. And they must be thinking, wait a second, we can go back, we can call the crowd, we can show them the little girl that she's alive. But if you look with me at verse 43, Jesus gave strict orders, strict orders not to tell anyone and to give her something to eat. So why would it be that they not tell anyone Well, it's because the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And Jesus, at this point in his ministry, he has not yet accomplished the work of salvation. And there would come a time when the apostles would tell this message. That's why we're able to look at it tonight. But that brings us to the last place where we'll be looking at the foolishness of God being wiser than man's wisdom. And that's with Jesus Christ. And that's with the message of the cross. See, it was laughable when the crowds asked, when Jesus asked among the crowds, that is, it was laughable when Jesus said, who touched my clothes? And it was laughable when Jesus said, the girl is not dead, she's only sleeping. But there was also one more time in Jesus' accomplishment of redemption when Jesus would be laughed at, when he would be mocked, by the crowds. And that's when Jesus died for uncleanness. That's when Jesus died for the wages of sin, when he died for death. And we read about that in Mark chapter 15 and verse 29, which reads, those who passed by him as Jesus is on the cross, those who passed by him heaped abuse on him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and scribes mocked him among themselves, saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. And even those who were crucified with him berated him. A tortured, bloody, naked, crucified, unrecognizable, dead Savior? Foolishness, cries the world. A crucified Savior. Raised from the dead. Yes, a crucified Savior. 
but one who demonstrates that he has power even over the grave itself. Peter preaches this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. He says, This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. A crucified Savior, yes, but it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hear that promise of Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, which you're familiar with. It's that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that crucified Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the message of the gospel. And have you confessed this crucified and resurrected Jesus as your Lord? Or is this foolishness to you? See, faith and trust in Jesus Christ is not foolishness. Any other hope that you might have is foolishness. Because every other hope that you might have that is not rooted in Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death, every other hope that you have is destined to death and decay. No matter what you might accomplish, no matter what the world promises you, all of it will end in death. But again, I know we didn't read that part from John chapter 11, but don't forget that as Jesus stood near the grave of Lazarus, he also raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out. And he came out. Jesus said, the one who lives and believes in me will never die. He is the one who has overcome death. Do you believe this? Do not doubt, only believe. Jesus Christ, dead for sin, raised from the dead. Victory over your sin, victory over your death through faith in him. Is this the gospel that you believe? Is this the gospel that you're sharing with other people? See, there is no other message that God has given to you There is no other message that God has given to his church. There is no other message that God has given to his people to believe and to share with a world who are still perishing in their sin and in the darkness of death. Grab on to the clothes of Jesus Christ by faith and be saved. Do not doubt, only believe and be saved. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, reads, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, 
and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that it is through the foolishness of what is preached that we are saved. And I pray, Lord Jesus, unless you give us ears to hear, we cannot hear this message. And so I do pray that as you now sit at the right hand of God the Father, because you have been vindicated, because you are the king, you are the judge over all the earth, and as you pour forth your spirit into this generation and onto these people, I pray that you would bless us to enable us to put our faith in what is the simple hope. It is a weak hope on our part, but Lord Jesus, you are the one who is mighty and powerful to save, even from death. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your redemption accomplished, and we thank you for your redemption applied in this generation. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live this gospel and that to share this gospel with a world who is still lost in the darkness of death. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.